Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule, but before we do, guys, we had a note. We had notes delivered yeah, to us. That's right, which means it's time for listener feedback. Clayton, what you got? All right, so we all got a note from a listener named Jane, and uh, and this is what she said to me. She said, just a note to let you know how much I enjoy the weekly podcast. Love the informal format, yet I always learn so much. I have no doubt it's a lot of work, so affirmation is needed, so thank you. And I just want to say, Jane, I, I feel the same way. I really enjoy uh, the informal format, and I learn a lot every time. But I will say this, uh, as far as how much work it is, not as much as you think. We, 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 this is pretty easy for us. It's a lot of fun. It's yeah. probably more work for the producers and editors. And it's true. Yeah, honestly, we, we well, make a mess for them to clean up. We appreciate them so much. So, And Jane was listening to previous episodes, obviously, because we talked about how we appreciated handwritten notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we are actually holding in our hands right now handwritten notes. These weren't just emails, although emails are nice too. Yeah. These are handwritten notes from Jane. All right, so Clayton received affirmation from Jane. I, I believe that I received a bit of... Uh, Sarcasm. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, you can't dish Mix, it out and not get it back, right? It's true. Mixed in with some affirmation. Just a note to let you how much I enjoy the Bible Savvy podcast. Certainly the sound effects make the podcast so much more effective. I'm reading it with the proper sarcastic emphasis. And it's true that written word doesn't express my second language as well as the spoken word. And then she wrote sarcasm with a smiley face. Seriously, what a great way for Christ followers to dig in and learn more, especially about how to study the Bible. And it's fun too. Thank you. Look forward to it weekly. All right. And then Jane wrote this. She said, Nikki, just a note to let you know how much I enjoy the Bible Savvy podcast. This card represents your spot in heaven, having to wrangle those two every week. Seriously, it's always fun, and I always learn so much. It goes by so fast, I'm kind of sad it ends. Thank you for all of your hard work. It is so worth it. A great way to show how to do comma and how to and how all of us uh, can dig deeply into God's Word while having fun. Thank you, Jane, so much. Wow. Thank you, Jane. So Clayton gets affirmation. I get sarcasm. And I get a spot. And you get a spot in heaven. Yeah. For dealing with go. the two of you? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, hey, listen, if any of you out there have some listener feedback for us, you can always email us at podcast at biblesavvy.com or handwritten notes. That's great. That also works too. It's really great. That's above and beyond the call of duty, these handwritten <laughs> notes. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Jane. All right, Eric, what passage are we looking at today? We are in 1 Kings chapter 8, and I am comma guy today. And so it is my job to start us off in the comma method with context, which is the C in the comma method. And so I'll start by asking Clayton a question. Clayton, if if I was interested in getting the literary historical context of first and second Kings, what is one way I might do that? Well, thanks. Thanks, Eric, for that. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Non-force setup. Um, this Thursday, okay, so this Thursday, we are doing one of our Bible Savvy workshops. We spend a couple of hours. Uh, we're going to be going over the books of First and Second Kings. We're going to talk about the the genre and uh, what, you know, events it covers and how to read it well and uh, how to, you know, get the themes out of it and all sorts of stuff. It is uh, a, a whole lot of fun. At least I have a lot of fun when we do it. Uh, if you've been to one, you know uh, that you walk away wanting to read the book more and you will be more equipped uh, for the, the weeks that we spend in the books of First and Second Kings. 
So you can register for that uh, right now if you want to. Uh, it's on Thursday, April 28th. It's from 7 to 9 p.m. at the St. Charles campus. Is it also streamed online? Did you say it that? It will also be streamed online. Did yeah. you say it and I just wasn't paying attention? I did not say that. Oh, no. good. So I just saved your yeah, bacon you, you on that really one. Did. Okay. You really did. For listeners all over the country that might want to participate in your Bible savvy workshops. Yes. But if you can't make it in person, it, it's a lot more fun in person. Do you eat bacon? I, I, I do. Okay. Yeah. So saving your bacon yeah. is a no, good thing. Okay. <laughs> All right, here's some context for our conversation today, because Clayton's workshop will be good, as they always are, but that's on Thursday. It's not going to help our conversation today. Context for today. Ooh, I have a little bit of cold. Did you hear that? Changes. All right. The book, the book of First and Second Kings is really one work that is continuing the story from the books of First and Second Samuel, which are also really one work. And all of this is one unified ongoing story. So Kings picks up the story with the end of King David's life. David had done the work of transitioning the 12 tribes of Israel into a unified kingdom. Uh, it was David that God had made a promise to that one of his offspring would be the messianic king who establishes God's kingship over all nations uh, and therefore fulfilling promises God made to Abraham that his family would become a great nation and be a blessing to the entire world. So this is an, this is an ongoing story. That's, that's why context is important. So first Kings starts with David in his last days, passing the baton of leadership over to his son, Solomon. And it all sounds good with David coaching Solomon to worship God alone and stay faithful to the covenant. But then right after that, and we talked about this in a previous episode, the two also conspire and plot to murder several people <laughs> for what appear to be reasons of political expediency. These are the days of our lives. So, so then right away we get a sense of what might be coming when we read about the succession of Israel's kings. Um, all right, so continuing on in the story, Solomon gets off to a pretty good start. Conspiracy to murder, notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> and in the first few chapters of First uh, Kings, we see Solomon asking God for wisdom so that he might be able to rule well. And then he begins construction of the temple in Jerusalem that David wanted to build. Um, all right, so it's here where the story stops and focuses on the construction of the temple. And for the sake of context, I'll just stop here and note that just about every good study Bible has pictures and articles on the temple. And it's worth taking a look at those kinds of things because it helps with cultural and historical context and enhances your understanding and enjoyment of what you're reading. If you can kind of see the picture of what the text is describing. So I would encourage everybody who has a study Bible or you can go online mm -hmm. uh, to various websites like Bible Gateway, BibleStudyTools.com. There's some various places where you can, you can find these kinds of pictures. All right, so for the sake of our conversation today on 1 Kings 8, I'm simply gonna note a few things. The temple is... Uh, a representation of the Garden of Eden. It's the place where heaven meets earth and it's where God's presence dwells with his people. And if you remember from Bible savvy reading uh, schedule or previous podcast episodes, uh, there was this traveling tent called the tabernacle. That was the temporary and mobile version of the permanent temple. And now we pick up the story in 1 Kings 8. The temple has been constructed and has been furnished. And now they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant to place it in the temple. All right, starting in verse one. Then King Solomon summoned into his presence at Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the chiefs of the Israelite families to bring up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from Zion, the city of David. 
All the Israelites came together to King Solomon at the time of the festival in the month of, oh man, Ethanim, uh, the seventh month, when all the elders of Israel had arrived, the priests took up the ark and they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it. The priests and the Levites carried them up and King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. The priests then brought the ark of the Lord's covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark and and overshadowed the ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but not from the outside of the holy place. And they're still there today. There's nothing in the ark except two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. I've indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. While the whole assembly of Israel was standing there, the king turned around and blessed them. Then he said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his own hand has fulfilled what he promised with his own mouth to my father David. For he said, Since the day I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have not chosen a city in any tribe of Israel to have a temple built so that my name might be there, but I have chosen David to rule my people. My father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, You did well to have it in your heart to build a temple for my name. Nevertheless, you are not the one to build the temple, but your son, your own flesh and blood, he is the one who will build the temple for my name. The Lord has kept the promise that he made. I've succeeded David, my father, and now I sit on the throne of Israel, just as the Lord promised. And I've built the temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. I've provided a space there for the ark, in which is the covenant of the Lord that he made with our ancestors when he brought them out of Egypt." All right, so we move on to the O in the comma method, which is observations. So what do you see in this text? This was like a really big thing. You've got all these major players, I guess you could say, like showing up on the scene. Like the tribes and the chiefs of the Israelite families, all of the Israelites, all of the elders of Israel, the priests, the Levites, like everybody was there for this. Yeah, it's it, it makes me think of like um, like the inauguration of a president or something like that, where like mm. all of the branches of government and people from all over, they come together and it's a huge gathering. Um, I don't know how big it actually was in terms of numbers, uh, but the significance of like, this is everybody. I, yeah, I got that same impression. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, obviously this is about the Ark of the, the, the Covenants, the, the Lord's Ark. It's repeated a bunch of times. So obviously we're looking for those kind of, uh, there's a lot of kind of repetition in this about the Ark. And um, I, I always have these little shorthands in my head to remember what certain things are, just so that I don't get bogged down. Like, what, what was that about again? Like when I read the Ark of the Covenant, I always think throne because it's, it's, to, like we think of it, okay, it's like a weird box. You know, I've seen Indiana Jones and, you know, all that's funny. But when you when you think, okay, here's what this is. It's a representation of God's throne and it goes in God's palace because that's where his throne goes and that's where he rules from. And so they're bringing his throne in so that this can be the official place where God rules over his people. And so um, that, that really is a big deal. It is a lot like an inauguration because of that, because the king is coming into his palace. 
One of the things that stuck out to me is that they went and got the ark from the tent of meeting, so which is the tabernacle. Yeah. So they still had the tabernacle up, functioning, running uh, during during this time. So this is the transition from the tabernacle to the temple. Yeah, and it, well, it. I think I remember. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or maybe it was a sermon we did uh, at at the church. But we we talked about how David had brought the the Ark of the Covenant in to like into the city of Jerusalem to be there, but he just sort of had it hanging out, and so he must have brought the the tabernacle in and set it up around it or whatever. And they're kind of doing that transfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that I notice is we see like this this phrasing of like the cloud filled the temple or the glory of the Lord filled his temple, and that makes me think of like when um, like when the old te- like in the Old Testament when they were. Uh, coming out of Egypt, and the Israelites followed where Jesus was leading them. It was like a cloud by day, and then a cloud of fire by night. And then when when we were at the, when they he would ever they would settle, like the cloud would just kind of hover over the tent of meeting, and it would stay there. And while they had to just and they, they just stayed there until the and then when the cloud would lift, they knew they they needed to travel. So it was just this really cool picture of being able to go. Oh, I remember when there were other portions of the Bible that talked about that kind of thing. Yeah. And I was, I was reminded too of the time, I think when they first built the tabernacle and the cloud showed up and at that time, the priest couldn't go in. Like Moses was like, Oh, I can't go in the, cause the clouds filling it up. We can't use it. And it happens again here. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, uh, you, you sort of wonder, you're like, okay, so God, you, you told us to do all these things in here and now you're like taking up the space. Do you actually want us to come in? You know, but <laughs> like, it's so overwhelming to have God present. Yeah. Sometimes we say, good questions or good observations. I, I wonder, I've, I've never really understood or felt like the, the text of the Bible gave me an answer to this question. Obviously, David wanted to build the temple and God said, no, you're not the one to build it. Your son Solomon's gonna build it. Have you guys ever felt like when you're reading the Bible, you got clues as to why Solomon was the one to build it? Or is it just one of those things that's just, in God's timing, the story, the way he's playing it out, he just knew that that's when it needed to be built. I, so I don't know about the when, you know, like why he didn't do it sooner. Um, I do recall something and I'm not going to remember the exact passage. And this, this is one of those things that maybe there's a, a, a note in a, a study Bible somewhere, but um, I think it talked about how David was a man of war. And I don't know if that was a matter of like, hey, you know, you've done some things in the, in in these battles that make it so that you're not you're not you're not clean enough to 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 do this thing, or if it was a uh, you know like, hey, this is what this is what your job is. You're you're gonna you're gonna settle things down, like you know, deal with the enemies. But when Solomon, a man of peace, comes in, a man meaning he's not waging a lot of wars, he's building the country in a time of peace. It's going to be his turn to do that. So there's something about that, but I don't, I don't, I don't fully know. I think there might be some stuff in Chronicles when we get to it. Uh, another thing that I noticed is um, it keeps using this phrase, uh, "My name," a temple built so that my name might be there, or for the name of the Lord, or my name, my name. Like, why do you think they use that phrase? Well, I, I. I've seen like, okay, so sometimes um, we sing worship songs where we say, you know, uh, blessed be your name or praise to the name of God or whatever. And um, and in the Old Testament, you the, the kind of the phrase, the name gets used in lots of different ways, sometimes to talk about 
um, not just what he's called, like the, you know, here's your, you know, here's your title or something like that, but to actually kind of refer to God himself. Cause you're really not saying, oh, wow, that's a, that's a great name. It sounds so good. Like when you like meet a new baby and you're like, oh, that's such a wonderful name. Even if you don't actually believe that you're like, I can't insult your name. Cause you know, the, your new parents. And so that's, you got, I got, oh, it's, it's a wonderful name. No, it's not actually like the name is impressive. It's saying the person that the name is speaking of is it's sort of a shorthand for God. And so to say the name dwells here, it's saying God himself. When I read that, I kind of got this picture of like, you know how um, when there's, when like universities, universities or something, like they, they build a building and then they like name, yeah, they name the yeah, building yeah. after a person. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, oh, that's probably not it. But that was just what popped <laughs> into my mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know the Lord's name. Yes. Yeah. It's Yahweh. Yahweh. So it's like, it's like when, when I'm talking to my kids and I say like, don't dishonor the name, like our last name's Ferris. Like they know what I'm saying. Like there's, there is, there's value, there's meaning. It's not the name itself. It's, it's what that name stands for, what that name is. All right. Any other observations? Yeah. I noticed um, a couple of times Solomon emphasizes that God kept his promise. You know, so he, he made a promise to David and now it's being fulfilled. And there's always that, that going back and highlighting that sort of thing. Well, the thing that I thought was interesting is in, actually in verse 15. So he, he highlights that, it, that God is fulfilling his promise, but it's, he says, praise be to the God of Israel who with his own hand has fulfilled what he promised with his own mouth to my father, David. So he's emphasizing that. But I, th- I, I, I had this question when I thought with his own hand, he's fulfilled the promise. But we've just read chapters of preparation. Like if you talk about like whose hands have done this, there's a whole lot of workers who've built a lot of things and done some things. So I was, I was, I was thinking about that when that phrase came up, I was like, you know what? There, there's an interesting thing. Sometimes when we talk about like God doing things, we sort of separate. It's like, if God's doing it, then we aren't, you know, like, it's like, if we do it, then it's not God doing it. And if God's doing it, then, you know, no human needs to be involved. And it actually isn't, that, that's not the way the Bible talks about God's action. Sometimes God does things totally separate from us, but most of the time, God does things through his people. Like he wants it to be a partnership. And so even the things that we accomplish, you really can go back and say, this is this is God doing that with his own hand, but using us. There's a, there's the the tension and the the two sides of that that you don't wanna, wanna lose. But I thought it was an interesting phrase. So moving on in the comma method, it's context, observation, and then message, meditation, application. And we always say the M's are interchangeable. So you can do meditation first and move on to message or do message first and move on to meditation. It always ends with application. We always want to apply the Bible to our lives. The whole point of the podcast is so that people can understand, enjoy, and apply God's word. Sometimes you read a text like this. It's not always apparent. How in the world am I going to get to application? And so if you ever find yourself in that place where you think you understand what you've read and you've enjoyed what you've read and uh, you've appreciated what you've read, but like, how do I get to application? These are the days where maybe starting with meditation is better because then you can invite the spirit of God. You can ask that question to the Lord and say, I want to apply this to my life. I want to understand, Lord, how are you speaking to me through this text today? And so you just spend a few moments in prayerful thinking, inviting the spirit of God to help you do that. And so we're going to do that right now. We do it in every podcast episode. We take 45 seconds of meditation. And so it's a very, it's a very general, open-ended type of meditation today. Lord, what do you want me to see and apply in this text? 
Okay, so now we move on to the second M in the comma method, which today is message. What message do we draw from this text today? Mine's really simple. Um, I think I'm just going to go with God keeps his promises. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's something that's repeated over and over again in the Bible, but it's these big moments where God says he's going to do something. And there could have easily been, you know, wondering, you know, David, David dies. He doesn't see it fulfilled. You know, he's, he's saying, well, I'm going to trust that God's going to do that. Then to actually say, look, it happened um, is, is really amazing. God, God does keep his promises. If he says it, it's, it's as good as done. Same. Like it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty, to me, it's pretty obvious. I mean, I could, I could also say that, like, that God desires to dwell with his people. I um, mean, that was the, you know, like, and we can go you know, way mm, beyond that. That would just, be a very temple message. Exactly. Yeah. To draw out of that. Yes. Yeah. Um, because, like, as we think about it further into the New Testament, just with Jesus coming and being with us and the Holy, like, us being the temple and the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, God desires to be with his people. Uh, so other than fulfilling his promises, that would be that would be another one. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I am going to go with the fact that my brain keeps gravitating towards the Lord told David he's not the one to build the temple, but Solomon is the one to build the temple. And so my message is not everything that the Lord wants to do is my job. Hmm. I just need to understand what is my role to play. The Lord is going to accomplish what the Lord is going to accomplish. I have a role to play, Mm -hmm. but I just need to play my role and not try to play anyone else's role. Yeah, that's good. That was a long message. I know I'm supposed to get these down to like more pithy sentences. (laughs) That was was very good. Okay, so application today. What's your application? Uh, To pay attention to when God fulfills his promises. I I think um, making that connection between this is what God said he would do, what he's like, um, these are these are the things that he's you know promised, and then saying, "Look, God did it," and and to celebrate that, like it, like they give him a whole lot of worship for saying, "Look, you you said this, you did this, we see it. You're worthy of praise." And so, um, I th- I think I need to uh, do more of sitting down and saying, "All right, where have I seen God work?" Um, just just the other day, we did this as a staff, um, and I was so encouraged when we you know uh, Pastor Jim often will say, "Hey, let's share God's stories and what we've seen God do," and to just hear like, "Oh, God's at work, God's at work, God's at work," um, and connect that to the fact that He said, "Oh yeah, of course I'm gonna you know I'm gonna be with you, I'm gonna be moving," and He said, "That's what He said He'd do," and He did it. Um, so I want to I want to have that posture a lot. Uh, mine would be. Simply, I think just a posture of thankfulness, you know, that God God loves us enough to dwell with us. Like, he could have left us to ourselves, but he didn't. Like, he chose to be present um, in our lives. And that's a that's a, something that we need to stop and pause and be thankful for, because life could look a whole lot different without him. That's the truth. Uh, for me, it's as simple as asking the question, is this mine to do? Not in a passive, hands-off, I'm trying to shirk responsibility kind of way, but as an act of humility, because pride often makes me want to lean in, like, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. But sometimes that stuff's not mine. Uh, And so to just always ask the question, is this mine or is this someone else's to do? That's good stuff, guys. Well, that's all that we have for you this week. Thank you for joining us. Please join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. In the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading along. You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. 
Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.